Welcome to the weekly podcast, recorded live at Glory City Church, Brisbane. We hope you are blessed by this week's sermon. Well, praise God. It's so wonderful. Actually, I'm really looking forward to this Sunday as well, where we're going to be able to break up into our communion groups and pray and prophesy over each other. It's so good that you can join us tonight uh, in your homes and around the world. It's just wonderful to be able to be with you. You know, during this time, um, it's so important that you're very intentional to steward on what is pure and lovely and of a good report. And you would have heard me last week talking about the importance of fixing our eyes on things above, things that are pure and lovely, because it's so easy to get overwhelmed with all the news and the things that we're hearing. But God doesn't want you focused on the drama. He wants you focused on Him. And during this time, you know, people keep saying this is an unprecedented time. Well, actually, it it's, might be unprecedented for our generation, but it isn't unprecedented. Um, even back in 1918, 1919, when the Spanish flu uh, was a worldwide pandemic, they closed churches all around the world. They closed down gatherings. They made them socially distance. And, and, um, and it was for, for many months, actually. It would have been a really hard time with all the soldiers returning uh, from war. They would have been wanting to have big gatherings and, and church and all the fun things, but they weren't able to do it. But it wasn't the end of the world and it didn't change forever. And the people, after it finished, after it passed, people went back to their jobs. They went back to having church. They went back to having parties and celebrating and shaking hands again. And so don't buy the lie from people that want to tell you, oh, nothing's going to be the same again. Well, it's good. Change is a good thing. Change is a good thing and, and it is good. In this season, we're going to learn some new things. We're going to have the opportunity, if we're wise and don't miss it, to connect deep, more deeply with God, to be really intentional, to find our encouragement in Him. But this too will pass and we will be uh, coming back together again one day where we'll be able to celebrate and worship together. It's not the will of God for us to be isolated in our homes. He loves fellowship. You and I were created for fellowship. Uh, but in the meantime, we can recognise that he makes all things work for good and we can use this time productively or you can take the advice of people who say, well, all we need you to do is stay home and watch Netflix. Uh, you, you can do that if you want to, but there are better ways to, to spend your life. I was telling Emily earlier this week, I think, Emily, I think I'm going to learn how to rap. And she said, um, I think there's better ways to spend your life, Mum. Anyway, so there are better things to do. We've, as a family, actually, we've been watching the Chosen series. Has anyone watched that and seen it? You can watch for free on YouTube at the moment. They've unlocked it all. It's a, um, it's a series about the life of Jesus and his disciples. It's really well made. So you can go to the Chosen and look that up on YouTube, or you can on the app. You can actually see all of the the episodes there, and that's really wonderful. So if you're looking for something to watch as a family, if you just want to relax, that's, that's one of the things you can do. But be careful that you don't just go into a spiritual hibernation. 
God's not wanting uh, us to do that in any way. In fact, revival has begun. God has begun personally reviving people. And then the shutdown happened, and, but God wasn't wanting you to shut down your spiritual growth. He wasn't wanting you to go down into a spiritual hibernation. The enemy would love that. But actually be really careful during this time to recognise this is my opportunity to fan into flame what he's begun in me. And be intentional to feed yourself on what is good and what is pure and what is lovely. I, I want to share some things with you today. Uh, but let's just pray as we begin. Father, I thank you. Lord, this is the day that you have made. And we will rejoice and be glad in it. Lord, we celebrate your mercies that are new every morning. Father, I pray for everyone watching. God, I'm asking that you'd encourage them, that you'd strengthen them, that you would give them the spirit of wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of you. God, I'm asking, Holy Spirit, that you'd help them. Lord, I speak into this Bible revival, Lord, that we've been declaring. Lord, help the people. Lord, feed on your word. Lord, help them with their memory verse. Hallelujah. Lord, I pray for everyone watching, God, that they would feel your presence, Lord, as we speak, Lord, tonight. And I ask, Holy Spirit, you'd, you'd bring freedom, deliverance, salvation. God, I'm asking, Holy Spirit, that people would reach out to you and find you in a fresh way in the holy name of Jesus. Amen. Hallelujah. Well, speaking of Bible revival, uh, coming up on Sunday, we are going to have a new memory verse. I'm hoping that you've all been able to keep up. If you haven't, you can just have a look through uh, the Facebook page there at Glory City and you'll see our different memory verses that we've been doing one a week as a church. Uh, this week we've been um, doing Ephesians 3, 14 to 19, that beautiful apostolic prayer. Seems like a lot, but when you, when you memorize it as a prayer and you actually apply it and pray it, it becomes more than just a technical thing, I'm doing a memory verse. It actually is letting the word dwell in you richly and becoming a tool that you can use. I prayed that prayer solidly for three months many years ago and it changed my life forever and it's still one of the prayers I pray most regularly. And so coming up Sunday, we've got a new verse for you uh, that we'll share with you then. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. God is faithful. Well, you'll see we've made things a little different here because we know things are a little different there at home for you. And we want you to know that we love you and we're praying for you. We encourage you to be connecting in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, if you would turn with me to Ephesians chapter 2. Uh, this is such a powerful scripture. I love it. And uh, Ephesians chapter 2, verse 6. I encourage you to read all Ephesians 1, Ephesians 2, read the whole book. It's just fabulous. Hallelujah. But verse 6, it says here, And he raised us up together and made us sit together in heavenly places in Christ Jesus. What a glorious thought. You and I, when you receive Jesus as your Lord, when you say, Lord, I need your salvation, I need mercy, when you come to that place where you recognise, I can't, 
I can't pay for my sin. Everyone sinned. God, I'm sorry. Here, forgive me. Have mercy on me. I receive you as my Lord and Saviour. When you believe on the Lord Jesus, when you surrender your life, when you repent of your sin and you receive His grace, the Bible says He comes and lives on the inside of you and you become a new creation. Hallelujah. And He is good. He is so good. And when He comes and lives on the inside of you, He makes you good. He makes you new on the inside. You know, I was telling him the other night, God, I still believe you're good. And uh, while people are saying all sorts of things, Lord, I believe you're good. You are good. And I heard him speak back to me. And, you know, he said, and I believe in you and you are good. And that's not based on anything I've done. That's not a badge, a merit badge I've earned. That's actually the truth about us when we believe that we have been forgiven and we've received Jesus as our Lord and Saviour. You, you might say, well, no one's good but God. Well, that's true. So it's no longer we who live, but Christ who lives in us. And he wants to remind us that we now have a new nature. We have the nature of Christ and we're to live that out practically in righteousness and holiness. Amen. So Ephesians 2 verse 6 says, He raised us up together and made us sit together in heavenly places in Christ Jesus. What does that look like to sit in heavenly places with Him? We have died with Him by faith. We don't have to do that by our own strength. We don't have to try and die to ourselves. We can't achieve in our own strength. We can't overcome sin in our own strength. We have to, by faith, reckon ourselves dead with Him, buried with Him and raised up together with Him, and now we are seated with Him in heavenly places. Even though we're still living, nevertheless I live, yet not I, but Christ who lives in me. And then it says here in Revelation chapter 3, verse 21, To him who overcomes, I will grant to sit with me on my throne, as I also overcame and sat down with my Father on His throne. On his throne, you are seated with him, not at a distance. You're actually seated with him on his throne. You don't have some seat over there. You're seated with, wow. That is, that is the most amazing, incredible privilege. Can you imagine that? People think, oh, if only I can just see the throne from where I am in heaven when I get to heaven. You're not only going to see it. He says you are seated with him. And in fact, you are seated with him now, the Bible tells us in Ephesians, in heavenly places. So I was thinking about that. What does it look like to sit with him on his throne? Well, you know, if someone were to come and sit with me on this chair, like if Emily came and sat with me on this chair, she'd pretty much have to just sit in my lap. You know what? That is exactly the position that God invites us into. He tells us that unless you become like a little child, humble yourself like a little child, you can't enter the kingdom of heaven. And God wants us to have this posture of sitting with him on the Father's lap in that place of affection where he's able to lavish his love on us. Now, to some people, you might think, oh, well, that's a bit childish or, you know, a bit sooky. But actually, it's what 
the Father is looking for. He wants us to be strong and courageous, but he's not looking for us to be strong and courageous in ourselves. He's looking for us to be strong in him. That is seated with him on his throne in heavenly places. Hallelujah. And that is on his lap in his love, in a place of childlike humility. Hallelujah. Uh, my son, when he was little, uh, he'd, he'd look at me and he'd go, cuddles, mom. And you know, that's how we can come to God. We can say, God, I need your affection. I need your strength. And that's just not for the weak. You know, God says to us that he is our comforter. And we all need comfort. Some people, they, they get comfort through drink. They get comfort through gambling. They get comfort through watching things online or from all sorts of things. We all seek comfort, but God wants to be our comforter. He also wants to be our encourager. He wants to be our strength. And that strength isn't, it's not weak to go to him and say, Lord, encourage me. Lord, comfort me. Lord, strengthen me. He wants you to come and sit with him by faith on his lap as a little child to receive the love, to receive the strength, to receive the encouragement. Now, some of us might think, oh, well, maybe, you know, like a father with his son, he might say, oh, you know, that's enough. And, and we might get the attitude, oh, you know, I'm, I just need the occasional little bit of encouragement. But true strength and true faith that pleases God is not one that goes and gets it when you're really in dire need. It's actually recognising that your time of need is all the time. And if you can learn what it looks like to abide in Him, that is, with him, seated in heavenly places with him, seated with him on his throne, seated with him on his lap like a little child, like it says in Psalm 131, like a weaned child, I've calmed and quieted my soul, like a weaned child is my soul within me, hoping God, Israel. God wants you to humble yourself like a little child and go to him, go to the Father and say, Lord, Comfort me, encourage me, strengthen me. Lord, I come to worship you. I come to draw my strength from you. And as you learn what it looks like to connect in intimacy with him, that is the strength that you will able to be strong for everybody else with. It's out of that place that you're going to be able to speak to the mountains and see them move. It's out of that place that you're going to rule and reign with him. Imagine, think about this, picture yourself on the throne with the Lord. And that, that's an incredible place of power. God says that I've given you my authority. He says, in me, uh, you're going to do the same works that I did and greater works. None of that comes from your own strength. That comes from learning what it looks like to live connected, to live seated with Him in heavenly places. Hallelujah. Continually drawing on His strength for He is so, so faithful. I'd love to hear from you as you're watching. Um, and those that are watching on television, I want you to know God wants to encourage you. He wants to comfort you and strengthen you beautiful Saviour. 
Well, I wanted to share with you also today a psalm that I was reading in, um, I'm going to read it to you in the Passion Translation, but you can read it in whatever translation you have. It's beautiful. But Psalm 42 is just so, so encouraging. I'll read it to you here. It says, I long to drink of you, O God, drinking deeply from the streams of your pleasure, flowing from your presence. My longings overwhelm me for more of you. My soul thirsts, pants, and longs for the living God. I want to come and see the face of God. Other translations say, as a deer pants for water, so my soul longs for you. People tell me, oh, well, you don't need to long for him or want, want him. You, you've already got him. I know, but my spirit yearns for, for deeper intimacy, continually yearns for more because when you taste of his love, you want more. And that's the way it works is you don't grow tired of it. He's not... He's not seeking to reveal himself so that you become complacent. The more you see of him, the more you want to know him. The more you discover about him, the more he wants to reveal. And I, I look at that verse and I think, you know, that's what my spirit is actually craving. Sometimes I do this. I actually ask myself, what does my spirit want? It can be so easy just to do what perhaps his habit or what everybody else is doing. But God wants you to ask yourself, what does my spirit want? Your spirit within you is longing for his face. Your spirit within you is longing to commune with him. And when you become aware of that and you ask yourself, what does my spirit want? Instead of just making a decision about what you're going to do with your evening or making a decision about what you're going to do with your day, why don't you ask the Holy Spirit, what does my spirit want, Lord? And then let, let the longing of your heart, the longing of your, the spirit of God within you draw you into the courts of the Lord for an encounter with him that will refresh you. The Bible tells us that seek and you will find. That's not just for those who are not yet believers. That is for you and I. Seek him and you'll find him. Well, I found him. Yes, but there's more of him to discover. Keep seeking and you'll keep finding. Hallelujah. Let me keep reading. This is so beautiful. Day and night, tears keep rolling down my face and my heart keeps crying for your help while my enemies mock me over and over saying, where is this God of yours? Why doesn't he help you? So I speak to my heartbroken soul. Take courage. Remember when you used to be right out front leading the procession of praise when the crowd of worshipers gathered to you, uh, gathered to go into the presence of the Lord? You shouted with joy as the sound of passionate celebration filled the air and the joyous multitude of lovers honoured the festival of the Lord. So then my soul, why would you be depressed? Why would you sink into despair? Just keep hoping and waiting on God, your Saviour, for no matter what, I will still sing with praise for living before his face is my saving grace. Hallelujah. This is such a powerful, uh, powerful psalm. God wants to encourage you. And this encourages me. You know, sometimes when things like this virus that um, has come and uh, caused so much change in so many people's lives, 
I, I've had people mocking me. I've had people saying, well, where's this God of yours? And ha ha, you know, church, God's doing away with church and, and God's doing... No, He's not. You know, this is our opportunity to adapt. Hallelujah. And this too will pass and we will come together again. And when you are feeling discouraged, remember, remember the, the times that you had with the Lord. Remember what it was like to be all together praising God and thank Him that yes, that's going to happen again. That's what God wants you to do. Hallelujah. Not to join with the mockers and say, ha, oh, ha, ha. And you know, there might be people in your life where you may have experienced persecution at some time in your life where people have mocked you for your faith in God. Well, rather than answering them back and trying to defend yourself or getting upset and responding to them, my mentor used to tell me, never explain. Your enemies don't, your friends don't need an explanation. Your enemies will never accept one. And But I, I've always used that to remind myself, I don't want to get into an argument with people. I don't want to um, justify myself. I'm going to continue putting my eyes on the Lord. Like David, when he started to see an opportunity with Goliath and his older brother started mocking him saying, where do you think you, who do you think you are? Um, and where are those few sheep you look after in the wilderness? He tried to make him feel small, tried to mock him, tried to discourage him in his faith. And when you get those mocking words or those mocking voices or even the enemy mocking your faith, ha ha, what makes you think you're going to have a breakthrough or things are going to be terrible. When, when circumstances look bad and things are looking grim, God wants you to remember. Remember his goodness. Remember his faithfulness. Feed on his faithfulness. Like David did. I remember the lion and the bear. I remember how you delivered me there. God, you're going to deliver me here too. And remember the good things of God. I had a little Facebook memory came up this week of a meeting I did um, probably maybe nine years ago. And um, where we saw a little girl who'd been, she was just 18 months old. She'd been shaken um, as, a, as an infant and she was in a foster home and she'd suffered um, neurological damage and she was, had no control over her eyes and one would go this way, one would go that way. She hadn't taken any steps because she, she, she was, um, had no sense of balance whatsoever. And in front of everybody, they brought her forward for prayer. And there were people there that had come from a, um, a drug rehab center. And they were watching the miracles that were happening. I mean, people were throwing away their canes. There was incredible miracles happening. People's sight being restored. But, but there was one man there who was, who was a bit of a mocker. And he was there thinking to himself, oh, I don't know about any of this. I think it's all a setup. And then they brought this little girl, Cadence was her name. And my Facebook feed just brought up the photo again, a photo of us all praying for little Cadence in that meeting. And I felt the Lord just rise up in me and encourage me to speak to her eyes and tell them to come straight. And in front of everybody, they did. And that man actually gave his heart to the Lord on the spot. He fell on his knees and cried out to, for mercy to, from God. And, and actually the Lord healed him as well, which was so exciting. And he gave his life to Jesus. But just remembering that photo, remembering that moment, 
gave me hope and encouragement again. And that's what God wants you to do. When you're feeling discouraged, remember. Remember your history with God. Remember those moments. Remember when God brought you a financial breakthrough. If you need a financial breakthrough now, be intentional to remember when he's been faithful in the past. If you need a miracle now, think about the past and what he's done for you, the good things. We're not to remember the the bad things and the mistakes. God doesn't even remember your sin. He's cast that away into the sea of his forgetfulness. But he does tell us to think on the, the things that he's done, the faithfulness of God and to feed on his faithfulness. And so you also need to speak to your soul like, like the psalmist is saying here. So I said, my soul, why would you be depressed? Why would you sink into despair? Just keep hoping and waiting on God, your Saviour. For no matter what, I will still sing with praise. And it's so important that you are intentional. Praise is a weapon. It really is. It is warfare. And if you're feeling discouraged, if you're feeling depressed, if you're feeling overwhelmed and disheartened, Open your mouth and praise. Begin to sing. Put on some praise and worship music. Begin to sing and praise. Sing a song in your heart to the Lord because your praise is powerful warfare. Hallelujah. Here I am, he says, oh, depressed and downcast, yet I will still remember you as I ponder the place where your glory streams down from the mountain mighty mountaintops, lofty and majestic, the mountains of your awesome presence. My deep need calls out to the deep kindness of your love. Your waterfall of weeping sent waves of sorrow over my soul, carrying me away, cascading over me like thundering cataract. Yet all day long, God's promises of love pour over me. Through the night, I sing his songs, for my prayer to God has become my life. I'll say to God, you are my mountain of strength. You know, as you are being overwhelmed and you're feeling sorrow or discouragement come upon you, recognise at the same time the enemy is trying to discourage you, God is singing songs over you. And you just need to change the channel. You need to change the channel of what you're listening to. The enemy would love to discourage you, but you need to go, no, I'm going to take those thoughts captive, cast them down, I'm going to change the channel. And I'm going to listen to the songs of deliverance God's singing over me. I'm going to sing and open my mouth and celebrate and agree with what His Word says. I'm going to pick up the sword of the Spirit. I'm going to speak the Word of God. And I'm going to remember that God is singing over me, that His love is pouring over me. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. I'll say to God, you are my mountain of strength. How could you forget me? Why must I suffer this vile oppression of my enemies? These heartless tormentors who are out to kill me. Their wounding words pierce my heart over and over while they say, where is this God of yours? So I say to my soul, hey, don't be discouraged. Don't be disturbed, for I know my God will break through for me. Then I'll have plenty of reasons to praise Him all over again. Yes, living before His face is my saving grace. You know, when you're feeling discouraged and you think, and the people around you are not encouraging you, it can be really hard, especially when you've had uh, one disappointment and then someone that you love or someone that you thought might encourage you starts attacking you, it can become and feel overwhelming. 
Yet no matter what's going on, God wants you to discover him as the strength of your life. I found this when I was young. I gave my heart to the Lord when I was 12 years old. And it was so glorious. I was in worship saying, God, I can't see you. I don't know you, but I believe in you. Help. And in the middle of worship, he made himself real to me. And I was converted. And I knew, I, I found him. Hallelujah. But shortly after that, my world fell apart. My mother left home. We were left with other people. I was being abused every night, night after night for about nine months. And it was horrible. And at the same time, my friends, like my close friends at school, they rejected me. And I felt completely alone. I wasn't allowed to tell anybody that mum wasn't living with us. I... I, I had no close friends at school. Even they, I felt, had rejected me. I was being abused at home and I felt so alone. And yet I wasn't. I had God. And during that time, I discovered the strength of my life. And you know, throughout the different seasons of my life, I've discovered Him as the one who is unchanging, the one who'll never leave me, who will never forsake me. And when you discover that, you can find the mountain of his strength. You can find the joy and the encouragement that is supernatural, that will set you up for life. You see, when you learn how to encourage yourself in the Lord, when you learn what it looks like to position yourself intentionally on the Father's lap and let Him comfort you, let Him fill your need for affection and affirmation and encouragement, when you learn what it looks like to go and have a cuddle with God and then remain there, drawing on Him for everything you do, work, life and play, all of your time, as you learn what it looks like to live in Him, abiding in His strength, then no matter what's going on around you, whether things are going well or things are difficult, you can remain in perfect peace. You can remain in supernatural joy and you can have a holy optimism that's not based in vain hope, but based in the true knowledge that I know my God will break through for me. I know He will be my strength. David wrote like this in Psalm 27. He was saying, I would have lost heart if I did not believe that I would see the goodness of the Lord in the land of the living. He was able to say that because he had found God when everyone else had rejected him. There was one point where even his own men were going to stone him, were talking about killing him because they were all discouraged. I mean, it was a really bad day. The Israelites were trying to kill him. The Philistines had rejected him. And now his own men were talking about stoning him. And the Bible says, David encouraged himself in the Lord. He strengthened himself in the Lord. You and I have that power. And when you discover that source and you learn to drink from that river, you find the strength of your life that will cause you to walk in supernatural power. 
That is the place that miracles flow from. That is the place supernatural joy flows from. That is the place where your life of hope and strength and encouragement is found. If you're leaning on your own gifting, you will run out of joy. If you're leaning on your own strength, you will run out. But if you will learn what it looks like to lean into Him, to abide in Him, those who wait upon the Lord will renew their strength. Waiting on Him is not declaring, I'm strong and I can do it, I'll be right, mate. It's actually, it's not not childish or girlish to go and sit on the Father's lap. It's what the Father looks for you to do, to humble yourself like a little child, to recognize you're inviting me, God, to sit with you on your throne and to draw continually from you the help, the encouragement, the comfort that I need. And then the Bible tells us in Colossians, with the comfort that you receive from the Holy Spirit, you'll comfort others. God wants to encourage you today. He wants to use you to be a comfort, an encouragement, a strength to others. And you don't have to wait until things are all sorted in your world. Because when you remember that you're seated with him in heavenly places on his throne, and you learn what it looks like to find the strength that you need, to draw on him for encouragement, when you recognize there's no, there's no shame or embarrassment in asking God to help you, encourage you. In fact, it is true strength. Then you will walk in power, in holiness. You'll walk in supernatural joy and the world will want to know what it is that you have. I want to ask you today, do you know Jesus? He so longs for your company He invites you into everlasting life, into eternal salvation. But you have a part to play. You have to humble yourself and say, Lord, I need that. I want that. He doesn't want to, he's not going to impose himself on you. He doesn't want anyone to perish. But he knows that he is the only way to the Father. Jesus is the only way to salvation. And as you humble yourself and say, Lord, I need you as my Savior. I need you as my Lord. Come into my life. Make me new on the inside. Forgive me of my sin. I believe you paid the price for me. As you believe that, as you confess with your mouth and believe in your heart that Jesus is Lord, the Bible says you will be saved. Pray with me today. Father God, I believe You sent your son, Jesus, to be punished in my place. I believe Jesus died and rose again. Right now, Lord, I ask you to forgive me. Have mercy on me. Come into my life. Make me new on the inside. I declare that you are my Lord. Thank you, Jesus, for salvation. Lord, I thank you that you call me your child, that you receive me. I receive your gift of grace and eternal life. In Jesus' name, amen. God bless you. We love you so very much. Thank you for joining us. If you would like to partner with us in spreading the gospel to the nations, you can do so via our website, www.glorycitychurch.com.au. We would love to hear from you. If you have a prayer need, please send us an email at 
info at glorycitychurch.com.au. We would also love to hear your testimonies. You can email these praise reports to info at glorycitychurch.com.au. God bless.